0: So I heard a story happen a while ago when Carl Sandburg was the unofficial poet laureate in the United States. A rookie reporter was assigned to interview him, and the reporter didn't want to mess up this golden opportunity to interview a great writer, and so he thought long and hard about the uh, questions he would ask Sandberg, and here's what I think is was his best question. All right, he asked Sandberg, "Mr. Sandberg, what is the ugliest word in the English language? What is the ugliest word in the English language?" I got her attention. Great. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he thought a long time, He you know, thinking about it and all. And then he responded, and uh, the reporter leans in with a pencil, you know, ready to get this ugly word. And Sandberg said, the ugliest word in the English language is, pausing for dramatic effect, exclusive. That's what he said. The word, the ugliest word, is exclusive. Now, I'm wondering about that. He might be right. He might be right. Exclusive seems like a good word. I mean, as long as you're included in the tight circle it goes, right? Do you enjoy the service and the relaxed pace of an exclusive country club? Do you live in an exclusive neighborhood, a gated community? I have a friend of mine who uh, talks about his time when he lived in an exclusive gated community. He was in the state penitentiary in Arizona. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are different, I suppose, exclusive communities, right? Um, if it protects your privacy, protects your privilege, allows you to associate with like-minded, like like people stationed in life. But I wonder, how does the word exclusive feel to those who are excluded? (laughs) I mean, it feels like a stiff arm in the face. You know, door slammed closed. You're not welcome here. Double bolting from the inside. Exclusive says, you're not welcome here. And for this reason, I don't think that God is very fond of the word exclusive, especially when we reflect on that first reading. I told you I was going to talk about Acts of the Apostles, our first reading. Yeah, in our Acts of the Apostles, it shows God's effort to redraw the exclusive boundaries, to tear down the separating walls. He sent the gospel to the Samaritans. Now, that that was really an amazing thing. You see, all the first Christians were Jewish. And Jews and Samaritans despised each other. So that Jews would go and announce the good news to Samaritans was an incredible thing. Incredible. now, what does it mean for us? Well, it means that God includes all people. And this is a difficult lesson for some people. I mean, it's just amazing how people find ways to divide themselves from other people. It could be the skin color, the eye shape, texture of the hair, the politics, you know, the river runs through it. I don't know. We seem to have an amazing ability to divide ourselves up and maybe it's something that we kind of inherit from an early age you know we when we're little kids we we learn to love the faces that we recognize first you know mommy and daddy and you know the people that look like us then have you ever seen a little child discover their face in the mirror for the first time you know they're fascinated by it you know it's such a great moment, like beginning to walk. But they fall in love with the people that look like them. And so we, I suppose, learn to love most easily the people that look like us, our color, our language, our traditions, our flag. The music director over at uh, Visitation, where I'm from, she told me, no, you got to go to Ireland. You got it. I've never been. She said you got to go. Everybody look, you'll you'll see everybody that looks like you. Well, you know, I don't know if I want to see that. I just got back from Costa Rica. Those people look great. They got nice skin. I I have this polka dot thing going on here. I don't tan, I tumor. Anyway, <clears throat> um You know, God is not limited like this. He wants us to learn to love by looking out our windows, not looking into our mirrors. And we will, you know, I don't know, when will humanity learn that God is not the enemy of my enemy? (laughs) No, God does not salute my flag. He does not prefer my race, my gender, my orientation, my economic class, <laughs> you know it, 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 he's, in, he's inclusive. And so well, I remember back in the '60s when you know the, the civil rights movement was going, on, I was coming of age, I was in high school, I was very fascinated by all the stuff that was, was going on. And I I, remember, I can't remember the man's name, but he was from Georgia, and he was uh, running for the, the governor. Governorship of the state of Georgia, and he ran on a platform of racial equality. Well, he lost miserably. He lost miserably. But uh, one time when he was given a speech, a heckler, you know, interrupts him uh, when he's on the he's he's talking on the courthouse steps. This heckler interrupts him and says, uh, "You know, where do you get all those ideas about racial equality? Are you some kind of a communist?" <laughs> And and I remember the the the, uh, the candidate calmly says, um, he pointed across the the square in front of the courthouse to a church steeple, and he said, uh, "I got those I got these ideas over there. I got them in church." Well, we know there were a lot of Christians who were involved in the civil rights movement, and. Um, you know, but I, I think about that and you know, it's easy for us to love Samaritans. We don't know any of them, right? <laughs> but uh, the Samaritans in my life, in your life, again, had to remember the hostility and the animosity between these people. Who do I find difficult to love? Who scratches my comfort? zone in this world. How do I feel about God's passionate love for them? Would I go and share the gospel with them as uh, Peter did and John? And it made all the difference to the Samaritans. When the Holy Spirit fell on the Samaritans, it was the very same spirit that fell on Peter and John at Pentecost. And Paul would later write, there are many gifts. There's lots of diversity, many gifts, but the same Spirit. God's radical inclusiveness. As bad as the Samaritans needed the Holy Spirit, the apostles also needed to see the Holy Spirit fall on the Samaritans. And here's, I think, another lesson we can get out of this. passage, God's exclusive nature is oftentimes best learned by those who have felt excluded. Notice, notice the movement of God's uh, spirit with the uh, Samaritans. It was spurred on by the persecution of the church. You see, all the original Christians were Jewish. And Christianity was seen as kind of a sect within Judaism. But then it became threatening to the authorities. Christianity was seen now as a heretical sect of Judaism by the authorities. And as such, they wanted to purify it. It became a threat. And so the persecution began. This Christianity had to be stamped out. And the resulting persecution drove many Christians outside the comfortable and familiar surroundings of Jerusalem, pushed them out, and as they fled, they carried the good news of the gospel with them. Jesus, who told them to take that good news to the ends of the earth, Samaria and the uttermost outskirts of the world. It was persecution that drove them, forced them, to take the message. Now, isn't it just like God to bring out a good result from such an evil? The authorities meant to eliminate Christianity, but their brutality Spread Christianity like a, you know, the seeds of a dandelion, and the same thing has occurred, you know, in in my lifetime. I remember, you know, godless com- communists tried to wipe out Christianity, not just in Russia but Poland, Yugoslavia. Every well, communism is no longer there, but the church is, and it still goes on in China today, where Christians are being persecuted for their faith. Um. So we have some little children here with us, and I'm going to tell a story about, I'm going to clue with this little story about four children, and their ages were 10, 8, 6, and 4. And they all lived in separate bedrooms in a big house of their parents along a hallway. And the oldest boy posted a sign on his bedroom door that said, keep out. <laughs> all right? Now, if you have younger siblings, you might uh, understand this. The eight-year-old placed uh, his own sign on his door, and it said, Members Only. Uh, it was an exclusive private club of which he was the only member. All right. Now, the third son, age six, not to be outdone, created his uh, own sign. It said, No Girls Allowed. Mm. So, um, you see, his room was right next door to his baby sister. She was four. And the youngest child, the little sister of those three boys, posted a sign of her own, Welcome anybody! (laughs) That was her sign. Welcome anybody! Now, only one of those doors leads to the church. And we know which one it is. Thanks be to God.